This is Paul. And this is Elder. We have other Paul. <laughs> yeah. I'm Paul I'll, of I'll Earth One. <laughs> <laughs> so how you guys doing tonight? Great. And y'all are over at Rob's recording? We are, yeah. He's, he's cooking tacos right now with his girlfriend. Oh, very exciting. Are they going to be bringing tacos into you as we record? No, that's not how Rob does things. Yeah. <laughs> Asked if you were going to bring us tacos. And I said no. That just um, doesn't seem right. He, he, his girlfriend is upset at him because he bought Left 4 Dead 2 to play with John Wick. Uh-huh. And an extra controller because he had extra credit. So when he got home, he didn't think about, oh, you can play as well. <laughs> she was and that's hysterical. Yeah, so now, now he's making tacos to make things better. Well, you know, that is the universal salve to, uh, you know, heal, hurt relationships. You know, I, I, I think tacos cures all ills. Tacos are pretty fantastic. They, they don't really cure the trots, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that is a side effect often to the taco cure. It, it is. It just and makes damn. you stronger from the inside out. Yeah. Okay, I want to throw this out there. Um, just because I know you guys talk about Supernatural a lot on your show, make sure you ruin everything in Season 5 for Aaron. Hey, hey, everything. whoa. Well, <laughs> what are actually, you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Any Supernatural? And I haven't seen Season 5 yet. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you're talking to the wrong two guys, because oh, uh, it's it, Rob Rob and Mike are the uh, are the big Supernatural fans. See, I'm halfway I've, through Season 4 right now, so... I, I see, and I, I've watched all of Season 4, but I only watch it on DVD, so... Yeah, same. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm a... I'm a wait-for-the-trade guy, and I'm a wait-for-the-DVD guy. <laughs> I, I am thwarted in my... My uh, efforts to ruin Aaron's day. Well, clearly, I Dark can't... Paul has reared his ugly head tonight. So clearly, <laughs> ass. I was gonna say, Rob's Rob's just right here. I, I can get him on and. Uh, hey, hey, whoa, start... hey! <laughs> you tell Taco Boy to stay in the kitchen. <laughs> You're supposed to stay in the kitchen, Rob. You're supposed to call him Taco Boy. Oh yeah, stay in the kitchen, Taco Boy. <laughs> He wants to know if, uh, if you're uh, if you're jealous of his taco making skills. Aaron. I am green, green with envy. Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. And we've got uh, two guests here today. Two very special guests. We have. This is Earth 2 Paul from the Bear Swarm Podcast. <laughs> and the only elder. The only elder. Well, there can be only one. It's true. I've murdered all the rest of them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're going to have this uh, confusion thing going on tonight. So, you know. Paul over there in uh, St. Louis, or I guess you guys are in Springfield. Is that right? Springfield, Springfield yeah. yeah. Uh, you are other Paul. 
Paul. It works yeah. for me. That's uh, that's that's better one. Uh, that's better than what the uh, bear swarm guys usually call me. So yeah, yeah. So you guys are on your big spring tour right now. Uh, y'all took a break after the 100th episode, and you're off visiting other podcasts. Correct. So how's that working out for you guys? This is actually the first um, other podcast I've been on. Same, so. but I'm I'm more of a uh, a guest podcaster on uh, Bear Swarm. They called me in because they know I like comic books. So, uh, what kind of co- what kind of comic books do you like? Oh man, um, I was actually going through what I had in my collection, and the lat like the latest comic book I have is from 2008, and I was like, wow, that was a while ago. But um, I. I typically like the mainstream comic books. I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, a loser like that. <laughs> but uh, uh, right before I got out of comic books, I, I used to work at a comic book shop, and that's when I was really oh, into comic books. Yeah. And uh, after I quit that job, I stopped comic books, which was in 2008. And I just started getting into uh, Invincible, and I just I just got the first trade paperback. Uh, that's a good book. Yeah, I really liked it, and uh, I just haven't picked up the rest of them yet. So uh, before we talk about what got you out of comics, uh, when did you first start reading? Oh, man. Um, everybody's going to laugh, but the very first comic book I got was uh, Spider-Man 2099. Oh, yeah. It first came out. That was a good comic. Actually, it, it, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually, uh, it was the first comic book that I collected when I was really young. My dad bought it for me, really. Um, and, uh, I have every comic book in that series, even to the, uh, the expanded universe, uh, towards the end, whenever everybody just kind of came together. Right. Well, you know, I, 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 I rather liked Spider-Man 2099, you know, Peter David, I thought did a, did a really nice job making that character unique and, and to his own. And I thought it really stood out amongst those 2099 titles. Did you read any any of the rest of those? I tried the, uh the Punisher one and didn't like that one. Yeah. And it, it was a ton of like, I, I looked at the, uh, what was it? Hulk 2099. Was that one? Yeah. 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 And that, that one, one, that, was one was yeah. that one was off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I only looked at it at the comic books in comic book stores. So I really think that there were two titles to read out of those 2099 books. And I think that was Spider-Man. And I think it was doom doom. 2099 rocked. Yeah. I, I remember that one being really good, but I never picked it up. I still have the collector's uh, milk glass from uh, Doom 2099. It is it is what I drink my milk out of. <laughs> oh wow! Nice. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it was from the storyline One World Under Doom. You know, and it's mm-hmm. got glasses. I really liked those those Doom stories. I, I thought I thought those two were really strong, and I thought there were parts of X Men 2099 that were decent, and I enjoyed Ron Lim's work on that. But it just kind of – it's kind of like the X-Men itself. It just went on and on and on. Yeah. You know, and just kind of spor- got, got more and more sprawling, whereas some of the other titles were a little bit more contained. Absolutely the biggest ass pit of 2099, though, was uh, uh, Ravage, the Stan Lee uh, – that started off with the, as a Stan Lee title. Yeah. That was just awful. I, I, I think I remember seeing that when when I was younger at the store, but yeah, I never never attempted it. It was bad. Yeah. I just want to go on record saying that I totally forgot there was a Hulk twenty ninety nine for the past fifteen years <laughs> until it was mentioned tonight. <laughs> and now you're going to start whining that there's not a trade for it. 
<laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pissed off. I'm gonna have to go to mycomicshop.com and start buying all the issues. And you can get them for a quarter apiece. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's my new mission in life. So, starting today. You started reading uh, Spider-Man 2099 back when it first started coming out. So that's what 90. I'm gonna guess 92, 93. Yeah, I think 92, 93. Yeah. So other Paul, uh, what did you, what got you started yes. with comics? Um. I was, I think it was 1988. Um, we were living in Austin, Texas, and uh, just kind of a happy little accident. My brother and I would uh, uh, wander around after we got our uh, allowance, and we found this little tiny comic book store that a guy ran in a trailer called Dragon's Lair Comics. Oh, it's still and, there. Uh, that makes me happy because I mean, the, the the guy who ran it was just amazing. You know, my brother and I would come in and. He knew we didn't have a lot of money, you know. We were kids, and yeah, mm-hmm. he, uh, he ended up selling me Frank Miller's The Dark, uh, Dark Knight um, for like two dollars. Oh, wow. like all, like all, all four copies. Oh, that's great. You know, my 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 brother scored like an Avengers twelve. It was it was pretty, you know, ratty, but you know, the guy sold it to him for like a dollar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 first real major series I I read actually I started with X Men. Um, it was the, um, uh, it was the, uh, I think the first appearance of the Reavers and I, I believe Madeline Pryor and Mr. Sinister, if that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Where they, they, uh, the Reavers were going around killing all the mutants. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't even remember what, what issue numbers they were. It's, you know, it's been that long ago, but, um, yeah, of course, you know, uh, I I thought Colossus and Wolverine were really cool and Longshot, yeah. There's that that'll take you back. But. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I appreciate you geeking up your stories for us because I mean, let's be honest. The only reason we all got into comics is for the women. That's right. That's right. Women oh, yeah. love guys who read comic books. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all on that. So, uh, well, you know, I just have to say Colossus and Wolverine are cool, but you lost a lot of street, kid, uh, street cred there with a long shot shout out. So uh, just saying. I, I, fig- I figured I would. <laughs> <You've>, <laughs> you still cut your hair like that, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, you it's, know. Uh, it's, it's platinum blonde and everything. Yeah. He even actually <laughs> cut off one of his fingers to look more like long shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when you when you think of your heyday of collecting, when you're when you're at your your height of the number of books you're reading, uh, describe you know what your what your pulls were like. You know what were you getting on any given week at the at your heyday of collecting? I was um I I really started getting into the uh, the Vertigo thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I was getting um. Sandman, uh, Hellblazer, um, uh, Hundred Bullets. I know that was kind of post, uh, well, at least post Sandman. But um, yeah, I've I, I pretty much uh, I've I've been collecting Vertigo titles for God, a good fifteen, sixteen years, mm-hmm. and still so, are. Uh, I, it, still, I'm 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 kind of a wait for the trade guy right. now as well, but but um. Yeah, I, I, we went to uh, a bunch of friends and I went to Wizard World in Chicago. Oh God, it must have been 2004. No, 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 no. It was, it was. Uh, I think it was 2002. 
Um, and uh, I, I spent the entire collect, or, uh, convention wandering around trying to you know pick up the the loose books I had missed here and there, and ended up finishing uh, three or four titles. Sandman being being the major one there, but. My favorite thing about going to conventions is, uh, you know, the last day of the convention when they st- when all those guys start blowing out their back issues and selling them for a quarter a pop. I I just I live for that. <laughs> yeah, that that and the uh, scantily clad models. Well, yeah, but that goes without saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so uh, what about what about uh, you? Gosh, I'm going to be awful Elder. tonight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, what what was it? What what uh, when you at, at the, your your peak of collecting? What were your pulls like? Oh man, uh, my peak of collecting. I was I was pulling. Uh, let's see, the Deadpool and Cable series. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was also getting World War Hulk around that time. Um, oh wow, yeah, because you, you you just got out in two thousand eight, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. And uh, um, let's see, I was also getting the the Thor that had just restarted around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wally West's Return Flash. Um, I was getting a ton of stuff, like just almost like a, a lot of everything, JLA, JSA, um, a, a lot of stuff. Listening to some of the books you were pulling, you were pulling some of the best stuff that was coming out then, particularly like you know Straczynski's Thor book. Um, was yeah. the reason that you got out uh, financially related or did, was it just like you, you, screw it, I'm tired of comics? No, uh, I mean, I'm not tired of comics at all. I just uh, um, <clears throat> moved on from the comic book shop. Right, and, and your uh, five finger was, discount there, uh, and that was amazing. But uh, uh, I moved away from the comic book shop, and uh, I now work at GameStop. Got some promotions and whatnot, and we recently had a kid and a bunch of other stuff. So it, oh, yeah. it's kind of a little of everything. It yeah. is just financial and bunch of other crap able. going on. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of other crap going on. Yeah. So yeah, my my hundred bullet bullets. Uh, Entire, all the trades have been sitting in his house for about four months collecting. Okay, dust. whenever he gives me the this this hundred bullets, I'm like, I really want to read it, and he brings it over, and it's this pile of a huge pile of trades, like I want to say like fifteen pounds of books. Yeah, and it's very intimidating to like I I want to read all of it, but it's you know in a huge tower of books, just uh, very intimidating me. Oh, that's frustrating so, when you, when you've got you know more books than you can possibly read. Right. <laughs> you need someone to read them to you. There it's you. true. Audio audiobook. <laughs> audiobook comic books. That just sounds awful. And you know, then they describe the panel to you, and he hits him really hard. Cow. <laughs> Blood is missing a tooth. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds terrible. <laughs> So, uh, you're, which one of you guys is reading Invincible now? Uh, I, uh, Elder, I was. Um, it, it's been a while. Like, it was 2008 when I had it, um, right. and I read the first trade paperback. Well, that's, that's one of my favorite books that's out right now. I just absolutely love Invincible. Oh, really? It, is it stayed good throughout? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Paul tried to spoil things for me o- over the on our last show because uh, you know he's current, whereas I'm like on the eleventh trade paperback right now. And right. Uh, but I-, I have enjoyed everything everything I've read. I think Paul has some mixed feelings on it, and I'll let Paul speak for himself. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I felt it's been a little uneven. You know, th- there have been some things that worked and some things that haven't. It hasn't been. I don't feel it's been consistent. 
and I think they're probably on the 13th trade now. So Aaron's not too far behind. I just, um, I don't know. I felt it's just been a little uneven and uh, I don't currently like the, the way that the title's going, but you know, obviously I still collect it. So I'm either a sucker or it's doing something right. Sucker, I think is, is the word. Yeah. It, I would yeah, imagine it sounds that. like a sucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <a little> bit. <laughs> well, I, you know, I understand you guys are, uh, Getting ready to start off a superhero campaign in uh, for your uh, role playing group. Correct. If I recall correctly from what I have read on Twitter, Rob's <laughs> running the game. Yes. And it's going to be a wild talents game. Correct. Well, uh, what what kind of uh, now have either of y'all played in superhero role playing games before? Yes. Okay. I yeah I, I actually started with the uh, the old school percentile Marvel superheroes. Oh, yikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, phase Rip, isn't that what that system's called? Yep, that's the one. So in terms of superhero role-playing games, what do you find are, are, are some of the most challenging aspects of uh, of being in one of those games, running one of those games? What do you think is most challenging about that? I, I think that um, kind of tr- trying to do a, a, a balance of power, you know, because depending on the power, le- the power level of the game, I mean, y- you could theoretically be playing a titan, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> it's not necessarily that fun when <laughs> when somebody has yeah yeah you know it's it's like okay i can do anything you know i think in the old dc superheroes uh, the 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 point by you could actually buy um i think it was the the faux kind of green lant lan- eh, sorry green lantern power called the omni power which yeah. effectively lets you do anything yeah you know and it's it's like okay well i'm going to put all my points in that mm-hmm. you know, my stats don't matter i can bump them up yeah mm-hmm. and you know okay well turns out yeah you can do anything <laughs> <laughs> you know the dc hero system is actually my favorite uh, supers role playing system i really okay. like that the, system the, the old one yeah the, the the old one was actually a lot of fun yeah yeah, and you know it's the 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 same system is now called Blood of Heroes because they lost the DC Heroes license, uh, and of course Mayfair went out of business, so you know somebody else bought that system. But uh, I really really enjoy that system. I like how it creates a system that Batman can fight Superman for a little while before getting his ass handed to him, uh, which you know of course kind of duplicates the way the the comics work. Right. Uh, you know, so it gives it gives Batman an opportunity to. Uh, uh, you know, do something clever before Superman, you know, knocks his teeth in. So I like that. I like that system. So uh, what other challenges do you see around superhero role-playing games? Cause you know, one of the, one of the big ones I find is setting itself. Some guys come into a, a superhero role-playing game and they're like, I want to play silver age. And then other guys come into a role-playing game and they want to play grim and gritty. And it, yeah. it seems like it's really hard to to get the setting just right to accommodate everybody's needs because I've seen I, I've run games that have that have fallen apart because one guy wants to wants to do it grim and gritty and another guy wants to be you know Silver Age and boy those two things just don't mesh. No, right. Um, uh, luckily, with our group, we have a bunch of guys that all want to play grim and gritty, and uh, so. We're going for the grim and gritty feel, uh, kind of noir-esque feel. The, the, the 
the actual setting itself is kind of it's it's almost like a fading silver age utopia though it's it's um the the city that we're playing in uh again our, our group is is pretty good because we all sit around and kind of find a happy medium i guess if you will uh so th- i guess kind of think uh think of the city in bioshock um the the yeah and that's that's kind of what the setting has become it's it's just this fallen utopia crumbling utopia yeah is this like a like a near future kind of game uh yeah it's uh it's the future of the uh, 50s okay where it's that the nuclear future um you know where uh it still has that like 50s kind of feel but it is there are flying cars kind of thing sure um is this a, a homebrew setting or is this something out of the book it's it's homebrew. Uh, we we actually sat around and uh, uh, Rob had us fill out basically a uh, uh, points system. He picked I think it was twenty different uh, movie genres, and we all put points around into these different movie genres, and then we picked out the five that were the had the most points in them, and then discussed why we put our points into the, each of those uh, uh, groups, and then discussed what we could do with that. Huh, that's an interesting way to do that. And so you, I, I really, did did y'all, you know, once y'all kind of settled on on the you know the the style of the setting, the genre of the setting, um did y'all do some do, do some more kind of sandbox development or did the, then Rob just kind of go off and build the setting from there? We did a little bit more sandbox development. We're actually still in the development stage of the game. It's actually been I want to say a good 4 weeks where we've just been oh, discussing wow what's going to be going on in the game and preparing. I mean, for that game, we only meet on Fridays. So Mm -hmm. four weeks is really just four days, but that's still a lot of time. Well, we've been doing the four weeks, like every week this, this time around because of nothing's going going on on Fridays. So, so what other kind of uh, sandbox development uh, strategies have y'all used to, to build the setting? We, uh, we, we kind of, Established like the first people, well, the first superheroes who kind of established this utopia. It was the dream of one man who we've dubbed the Adonis, um, and we we haven't really got gone into any detail about what went wrong. Um, you know, that's that's kind of up to Rob's imagination. Which, um, but. Since we've also kind of established some some uh, governmental agencies and groups, um, being a superhero is now illegal, um, and these groups, of course, have uh, I guess converted superheroes working for them to hunt down other superheroes. Yeah, uh, like government paid uh, military superheroes, registered superheroes. Basically, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of like uh, the Invincibles. Um, that, that's that's actually uh, a lot of how I kind of see this crumbling utopia too, is the city from the Invincibles mm-hmm. as well. Excellent. And when's your first session? Um, oh, I meant I meant the Incredibles. I'm sorry. You guys were talking about the uh, the, the the Invincible earlier. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> I just thought it was maybe something I hadn't heard of. I was about to Google it. Yeah. No. 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 I'm, I I I meant the Incredibles. Gotcha. When's your first session? 
we're not for sure yet. I, I just uh, looked over to Rob and asked him when. And he's like, eh, I'm not for sure yet. <laughs> Have y'all rolled up this, this Friday? We finish up character creation. Okay. Um, so at the soonest it'd be two weeks from this Friday. And so do you know what kind of character you're going to play yet? Oh, yeah. We've, we've actually both uh, done our preliminary character creation. It's uh, 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 fluff, not crunch yet. Okay. So um, what, what kind of character is you guys going to play? Well, uh, with the game, we decided to focus on both our uh, masked lives and our uh, unmasked lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so my character, I wanted to, uh, his superpower is uh, analysis. Uh, he uh, can see a situation and figure out the best solution to it or a way out of it. Um, and and uh, I think Rob's done a great job with uh, the way that he's going to have the power work in the uh, wild talent system. It basically uh, reduces the uh, amount of time needed to process something mm-hmm. uh, in the game, which, which it's really, really neat that he, the way he's done it. But um, outside of the, uh, his mask life, he is a uh, Dexter. Have you, have you seen the show Dexter? Yes. Uh, he, he's a blood analysis CSI agent, basically. And he's, a serial killer? <laughs> no, that's actually another character in our game. <laughs> okay, is a serial killer. Um, and uh, his wife—I've determined that his—that uh, my wife is going to also be a meta. But I, having uh, super analysis, is that if I dig into her, what she's doing, then she'll dig into what I'm doing, and we'll both find out, and that's not good. And what about you? Uh, the, the character that I'm playing, uh, his super name is Paragon. Um, he inherits his powers through birthright. Um, his grandfather actually was a very, um, pretty much in the Adonis characters group. Um, you know, they, they stood for truth and justice and all, all of these things. And um, as it turns out, when the power is passed on to the next generation, the previous person dies. So my father perished passing the power on to me. Um, when I, I'm in costume, my character is, is definitely, uh, his, his power is, uh, uh, density control. Mm-hmm. Um, he can, uh, you know, make himself nigh impervious if he needs to super strong. Yeah. Anyway. Um, will he but, use uh, that term nigh impervious in combat? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I am nigh impervious. <laughs> but, uh, when 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 he is in costume, he he definitely stands for everything um, that his grandfather and the Adonis stood for. Um, when he's out of costume, he's actually a very quiet, um, kind of unassuming man. He actually works as a, a janitor at high school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know the whole uh, Cab Calloway character from Blues Brothers. He actually lives. And, you know, this little kind of warren underneath the school. Um, so I don't know. I guess he's pretty much a classic uh, Jekyll and Hyde character. Um, Rob uh, really likes to give us hard questions that we have to deal with as as our characters. And, um, you know, my guy standing for what he stands for. Um, the, one of the questions Rob gave me was, let's see if I can remember it exactly. Um <laughs> okay, yeah. Rob, what what was it? 
you know you raped that girl. Why haven't you or her told anybody? Wow. Yeah, so now I have to deal with that. Wow. The, with, with the character creation, uh, uh, Rob used a, uh, a strategy that, that I really liked from the system Dread. Um, it Dread is a horror game that uses the Jenga yeah. uh, tower for yeah, suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you do character creation is that is the character creation is a uh, questionnaire. And the questionnaire assumes a lot about your character. Uh, in fact, telling you, like, asking you questions like, what is that thing and why do you have it? And so then you have to fill out that answer to the question to fill out for your character. And uh, it, yeah, Rob asked everybody hard questions, uh, basically introducing us to a uh, the speakeasy barkeep that is the uh, superhero speakeasy and uh, uh, also giving us a hard question to deal with. Mine was, uh, you watched your sister die. Why did you let it happen? Hmm. Uh, the, the the biggest thing about that question is uh, my question number five uh, made me and my sister actually uh, close. So, I mean, it was uh, – it's I, I like the way that he did it. You know, you guys are both on a on a role playing game podcast, so I'm going to assume you guys have been gaming for a while. Is that an accurate assumption? For me, yeah, I've been. I started off playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons when I was in second wow. grade over 20 years now. I, I started in 2002 in college uh, with so uh, 3.5 a little while D&D. for you, and 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 then 20 years experience. A little uh, the right. sandbox gaming is kind of new to the hobby, or at least it's it's new to me, I should say. Um, and you know, if you if you started off playing D anD D twenty years ago, um, you've got a lot of experience with real top down. You know, I'm the GM. I've created everything. This is my world, and you're just players in it. Uh, what kind of challenge did you have? You know, adapting to you know something a little bit more sandboxy. Pretty much when I when I hit middle school, you know, we'd we'd run around doing the you know dra- mm-hmm. playing in Dragonlance or Forgotten Realms. Uh, then I personally became interested in creating my own worlds. Every game that I've, um, for the most part, that I have ever run, um, at least in a fantasy setting, I have right. created my own world for it. So um, I, I typically really like the sandbox things. Mm-hmm. I also really like collaborative efforts. Um, you know, it, people might not see eye to eye, but like I said, with our group, we we can usually come to a happy medium, and and I I enjoy that a lot. With our group, um, the first like experience I had with our group that was a very sandboxy feel was the yeah. uh, Houses of the Blooded by John Wick. It uh, it, it allows all of the players to create what's going on. It it kind of relieves a little bit of the burden on the DM and puts it on to the players uh, with the, the style mechanic. And because of that, I, I was opened up to the sandbox feel of a game. And uh, every time I play, you know, like uh, I'll try and give my, my uh, GM DM it, uh, uh, open-ended questions about my character that I don't even know the answer to. So that way they kind of have yeah. that sandboxy feel. You know, I, I had not ever considered doing anything that was sandboxy you know like as gm you know engaging the players to help develop the world you know always you know engage the players you know tell me what you're playing tell me your background you know what do we need to create to work with your character but never at the level of this is the world let's build it together and it just always it always seemed alien to me i mean that was the gm's job 
And so, you know, listening to various right. podcasts, in particular, listening to Luke talk, Luke Meyer talk about it on the podcast, you know, and going, Wait, that just sounds so weird. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like you're you're abdicating so, so much uh, control. And, you know, that just seems wrong to me. And when we first started doing <laughs> that, I, I have to tell you, I, it was it was some of the most positive gaming experiences I've had. Um, I it got it got guys who generally are pretty quiet at the table, thoroughly engaged in the game, you know. And as we were just doing sand, because you know, kind of like you guys, we, we did several weeks of sandboxing, and you know, they were coming out of there going, "Can we just do this every week?" <laughs> you know, because the building the world together was yeah. just so much fun. You know, and and building characters. We did we did you know yeah. one full night on just character generation, and I mean it was just it was a, it was a huge blast. And now I'm like, you know, with the exception of doing con games, I don't think I'm going to do it any other way. You know, I think I'm always going to have some some amount of sandbox yeah. element. In fact, I've I uh, stumbled upon an idea over the weekend. I was looking over some stuff from John Wick on how you engage them to you know have them build the adventure. You know, this specific adventure, not just a setting. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a great idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some of that. <laughs> Whenever we first played Houses, it was probably the best single experience yeah. in, in role-playing I've ever had. It was just just so fun. Like, I got to create what was going to go, what was going to happen next. And because I did that, I was, you know, excited and kind of proud of what I was going to do, even if it turned out terrible for my character. I just I, I I think with the whole sandboxing thing, it it really um, it it allows the players to kind of Absolutely. emotionally invest in the setting and the story and and and, and the characters and, and everybody feels like they had a part to do with it and everybody gets excited about the game and having people excited about the game is probably the most important uh, factor in role playing. You know, I had one guy. Uh, sitting at my table who I liked a whole lot, but it was always difficult to get him to engage. In fact, you know, I was like, I got, I got to pick a, a different game to, so that he'll, you know, come with some energy. And so, you know, I, that's when I, I first started running my zombie game and that got him in. And I was like, okay, well, I know that he's got, he's got the ability. I've just got to get him, you know, jazzed. And so that's when we did the, the sandbox. And I mean, he is, he is all over it. You know, I mean, he, he, he owns a piece of, of the real estate as it were, and, you know, what was great is I'm running the sci-fi game. And so everybody had an opportunity to invent their own alien race. And, you know, I, I do have that one guy at my table who, you know, he always wants to play the cat creature. You know, it, when we're playing playing World of Darkness, right. he's got to play the, the Bastet. <laughs> when, we're, when we're playing a superhero game, he's playing some kind of cat man. <laughs> you know, he always, he's always the cat guy. And I'm like, invent the cat race. And I said, and it can't be a Kazenti, and it can't be this, and it can't be that. But you invent it, and he did. And I, mean, it, it, and I we were, we were, we yeah. we sandboxed it, and everybody had input into it. But he kind of built the foundation for it, and we we're all kind of standing back, going, "Well, I want to play one of those now." And it was, it's just, I, I, <laughs> I, am, I am stunned that I haven't been doing this all along because it is, it is, it is so much fun. You know, when I first, when I first shared with the guys that you know this is what we're going to do. For our next several sessions, they're like, you know, we're going to sit around and develop the world. We're not actually going to game. And then it wound up just being a blast. I, I personally love character creation with yeah. with a group of people discussing how our characters all intertwine. It's mm -hmm. really how they work together. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that I think that it does 
it does help build cohesiveness to the group in terms of, you know, well, I'm not going to build a character that's going to bust the group. You know, right. everyone kind of, you know, like I used uh, for, for the game I'm running right now, I kind of use some of the uh, uh, Spirit of the Century character generation where you have shared back shared backstories. You know, mm-hmm. and you kind of write, you you write you know your your novel, and this guy's guesting in your novel kind of thing, and you're kind of writing the 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 jacket blurb about it, and that was a hoot and a half, you know, having guys that that jumped in and 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 kind of build that history together, so that when you have that first game, these guys all kind of know each other, even though they've never played together before. I I, I just love it. I just absolutely love it, and, and I, I get excited about it. I I think it's easy as a GM. It, at least I fell into this trap quite a bit. You know, it's it's um, it's kind of hard to uh, let go of that control. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Know, you 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 have this wonderful idea, and you want to make sure that every facet of it is perfect. But you know, when you present it to players, they don't necessarily, you know, they they just kind of take it at face value and they're like, okay, well, it's because that's what you say, you know, yeah. or that's how it is because that's what you wrote fine. But yeah, yeah. A lot of times they just don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I think that the sandboxing is kind of helps them to invest. Yeah. You know, yeah. It gives them, like I said, you know, it gives them a piece of the real estate and, you know, they'll tell you, no, you got that wrong. You know, this is the, the character was, de- you know, the, the race was developed like this. That setting part was developed like this. So, you know, they get to be part of the expert because I think one of the big challenges is when you GM and you create everything in the in the universe, a lot of times the characters just can't sort through your setting. You know, they're like, I'm not really sure where I am and what we're doing, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, yeah. you got those GMs yeah, yeah. who've been working on their it, setting for you know years and years and years, and you know, try sitting down and playing in that thing sometime. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you say that because uh, Paul here is running a, uh, a cyberpunk hunter game that uh, he's been working on for years and years. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> it, the setting is is really nice, and we all actually kind of uh, contributed a little to it. I mean, we all wanted to play into in a cyberpunk hunter game, and so it, it's. It's working out really well. I, I don't feel boxed in, right. per se, with, with this game so far. Oh, good. I hope you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could coordinate that moment for you guys. Right. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Shared moments with funny books. <laughs> <laughs> so, so back to your supers game. Um, it's using the wild talent system. Mm-hmm. Do any of y'all have you know? And uh, you you haven't gotten very far in, in character generation, but do you anticipate getting a skill such as I don't know persuasion? I, I am completely unfamiliar with this system. Um, typically, I like playing characters who are uh, kind of rogues, and usually I all have the persuasion thing. So I like I like playing the uh, the the suave uh, smartass. So. I'll probably have persuasion as well if if it is a uh, a skill. Here you're sitting with this persuasion skill, Paul, other Paul, and uh, you know you feel like you need to convince Elder's character of something. Would it be appropriate for you, other Paul, to use your persuasion against a fellow player character? Good question. Um, I I would say yes. 
Elder would make me sell it pretty good, though. I'd I'd, I'd have to give the uh, you know give the convincing liar speech to him but uh in in conjunction with my persuasion skill i i uh you know i i trust elder as a player enough to uh go along with it and so, so you feel you feel like it's appropriate to to have a dice mechanic to help determine your effectiveness in that social dynamic um i I, I I would say yes. Um, I, again, I, I just I, th- I think it kind of boils down to uh, trusting the people that you're sitting across the table from. Um, we were playing a uh, a Western game, and uh, Mike, the other guy from the Bears Forum, um, his character and I didn't see eye to eye and he ended up pulling out his pistol and shooting my character (laughs) 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 Um, that that seems vaguely wrong but okay you know my my character lived but um you know and everything got 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 real heated within the session but after the session was over you know we were all able to just kind of step back and say you know okay good game you know that that was that was good stuff. Yeah. But um, I I I think that a social mechanic is uh sometimes necessary. I was asked to give the uh, the Saint Crispin's Day speech once in a game, and I was completely unprepared for it. You know, so it's like, oh uh, God, you know, go troops, roll the die. <laughs> Just. You come, coming up with something like that on the spot is is not that easy. I, I think it's it's situational. Um, the uh, <clears throat> persuasion mechanic is, I would say, brought in whenever uh, your character may not agree with what that character wants you to do it, um, and it's it's kind of it's hard to explain for me. Um, let's see, you have you know player uh, controls your what your character does um if paul were to ask me to do something at, in character and my character said that he didn't want to do it um and then paul didn't have a really good argument for me like paul himself not his character he might need to bring in a persuasion role to persuade my character not not me as the player but my character as the in game some would say not me but some would say that that's mind control that your that that you, your free will as a player is being robbed by you know the other players rolling against you to persuade you. Agree or disagree? Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, again, I, uh, I I I can see the point, but I, I I think you know I mean come on, what is role playing? It's it's oral story storytelling. You know, and and sometimes having your character do something that you don't want your character to do makes a better story. Right. I, I wouldn't consider it mind control. It's basically the the role is to convince the player to convince their character to do something. In in my opinion, it's just representing the words that mm-hmm. their character said to your character, which convinced him to to go forth with the action. Can you carry that forward? You know, you're, you're in agreement that there, that there is a, that it's appropriate to have a social combat mechanic that, you know, uh, one player can use a skill role to persuade mm-hmm. another player character. Right. So what if that social skill is seduction and the other player character is seducing your player character? I mean, it's, it's awkward. <laughs> Uh, I do it all the time with my wife. I just roll some dice and I said, "You are now seduced." <laughs> Does it work? 
No. <laughs> uh, but I'll keep trying. I was not for strat with my wife. Not, not, not <laughs> even a nat 20. No. But I, but I do recommend you try it just in case. <laughs> just in case. Maybe, maybe it does work with her. Yeah, um, maybe it does. Well, you know, or maybe you're maybe you're using a Savage World system and baby these dice explode. You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> with a seduction role uh, amongst players. Um I mean, most of the time you're gaming with a with dudes. I'm I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> most of the time yeah. they're yeah. hetero uh dudes and so a seduction between two characters is is awkward, I would say, but I mean if it goes with the story, I, I would go with it. <laughs> I, I I ran a Game of Thrones game uh, about a year ago for these guys, and I uh, I pretty much had them all all seduced, um, you know. So uh, in our Star Wars Old Republic game that we're currently running, um, one of, Mike Mike was running at the time, and one of his NPC characters and I started a relationship. So yeah, I had to flirt with Mike, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, see that should totally have been an actual play episode guys <laughs> the fans want to hear it it's true Mike Mike forced my character to tell his NPC that I loved them <laughs> yeah. I, I told Mike that I love her <laughs> so, um, just being comfortable with the people that you're you're gaming with and, and, and trusting sure. them that alleviates a lot of that I wouldn't I wouldn't force a seduction role at a con, though. Like, that seems like... Oh, well, why not? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Strange guy across the table in a black shirt? I am getting in your pants. <laughs> what? I, just, I need a seduction role. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just tickles me. <laughs> um, so, you're, but you're both... You both support, you know, social combat. Correct. Oh, yeah. Are you fans of failure is fun in terms of gameplay? Yes. Uh, in in House of the Blooded, um, your character is a tragedy. Uh, so right. the worst you can, the worst situation that you can put your character in, the more fun the game is. And mm-hmm. I I love that. I love putting my character in shit positions and then trying to get out of it, probably ending up worse in shit. Uh, I, I, I Elder's a lot bigger a fan. Failure is fun. I think than. than <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, well, especially when you emotionally invest in a character, you, you want to see the character succeed. Um, I, I, right. I do, however, believe that um, that you know certain failures or whatever do make a more interesting story. And yeah, it's it's yeah. Sometimes you just got to eat it. But yeah, you know, I, I kind of like the failure in term, kind of like the way uh, Harry Dresden is handled in those books. Where you know he's he gets more powerful, he gets more knowledge, but he gets more and more screwed as each story goes right. along. That's the kind of failure that I like. Is that you know you're still successful, but it's a success it's a success but you win but yeah. the council still won't take you on and uh and yeah you know and that you know if anybody finds out you know the true source of your power you're in a whole lot of trouble right. you know that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I I dig that. I I think those complications are a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, coming back to your to your wild talent superheroes game, have y'all named your team yet? Not yet. The 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 way that it's kind of set up is uh, we have this one 
you know, kind of uh, speakeasy that we go to. We always go masked. We don't really know each other outside of the masks. In fact, that's the only way to get into the speakeasy is wearing your costume. So ah. um, another player is playing a character who used to be a supervillain who converted, and he and I had uh, kind of tussled with each other previously. Um, but now he has a new persona. I have no idea that he was the supervillain. Um, I, I, I don't even really think we're a team yet. No, uh, in fact, um, <laughs> just to give you a, a perspective on this, Rob hates uh, the fa- the classic fantasy. He not necessarily hates, dislikes. Hates is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, he would prefer it to not be classic fantasy, not to be a dungeon delve. Um, so whenever he said to us that uh, I'm going to start you all in a tavern, we were all uh, awestruck for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think I think the way that he wants to do it is we're going to start the game. The first story arc is creating the team, uh, mm-hmm. finding our purpose as individuals and then creating that team together. So it's the it's the whole story of how the band got together. Right. I think that's that's how he's going to start Excellent. the the story at least. Well, I'm envious that y'all are getting to play this game. Uh, superhero games are are just my absolute favorite type of games. I, I I wish I was playing in one right now. You know, I don't know why you guys never invite me up to to Springfield, but uh, yeah, know. come on up. We'll Skype you in, or we we can Skype <laughs> you in or something. Oh yeah, because that always works so well. Yeah, <laughs> always. I rolled a twenty. <laughs> So, hey, a question for you, not related to uh, your Wild Talents game, but uh, just as somebody who listens to your uh, Bear Swarm podcast, I, 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 I don't think I've heard anything lately on the uh, setting that you guys have been developing, your your dystop- dystopic future that you guys have been working on. They've kind of dropped it. Um, it's it's not necessarily dropped. It's just uh, put aside. They, they reached a, a, a point where they felt that uh, it, was, it was a good spot to break. And he's actually using that some of that setting in our superhero game. Is he? I, I thought there, were, there sounded like a little bit of an overlap there, which is what made me think of the question. In fact, uh, the, uh, the Utopia is in Australia. It's where all the superheroes were sent after the superhero ban. Uh, um, and Aha. Uh, the, the whole Utopia is from uh, uh, Melbourne, Melbourne to... Sydney, Sydney, yeah, Melbourne to Sydney is the the t- entire city of Utopia, and uh, he's using a lot of the. From what I understand, he said he's using a lot of the uh, stuff that they had come up for the setting for that dystopia. Well, guys, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. It was fun talking about superheroes and role playing games and social combat mechanics, and I hope that you'll come back and visit after you've you know read some of your uh, your new comics and and uh, you know get got caught up on Invincible. We'd like to chat with you about All that. All right, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. It was a lot of fun, guys. Thank yeah. you. You know, I, I had a good time. Thanks again, guys. Sweet. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks yeah, so much. No All right. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.